Well, hey, cousins, you are listening to Revolutionary Hood Rat with Kim Young of Doflex Social Worker. And welcome back. Y'all took a little break last week. Obviously, there wasn't an episode because, well, I honestly uh, could not find the time to do it because I was outside. And if I wasn't outside, I was on my sofa. Yeah. <laughs> so there was just no podcast. But here we are. We are back. And I am really excited about this episode um, that I have for you this week. So to get us started, I do want to offer up some revolutionary news. And that is taking a moment to honor the life and the legacy of Dr. Mildred Mitt Joyner, who passed away on July 9th. If y'all are not familiar with Dr. Joyner, Dr. Joyner was the um, last president, so the past president of the National Association of Social Workers, so the NASW. And anyone that has been hanging around me for a while know that I have my run-ins with the national office of the NASW. However, I would be absolutely remiss if I did not take an opportunity to acknowledge um, the wonderful contributions and the career that um, Dr. Joyner had, because who am I in this field without Black women like her? Um, And if I'm being honest, when I was going through everything I was going through with the national office, she was someone who at least took some time to hear me. um, And it felt like she saw me for who I am and uh, what I have to contribute. And so I do just want to take a moment to honor the life and legacy of Dr. Joyner, who passed away on July 9th. Um, So yeah, moving us along. I don't have or any Earth is Ghetto this week. And that's because we're going to have a guest. Remember, when I first got this thing started, I thought, well, hey, maybe I'll have guests. Maybe I won't have guests. But if I do have a guest, it has to be somebody that I actually want to talk to. It has things to talk about that are relevant, that I care about, that are interested, that I'm interested in. And well, I shared on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, about this concept that I've really been thinking about after a conversation I had with one of my favorite humans on the planet about therapists practicing vulnerability. Um, And from that post, it sparked a lot of other folks' curiosities around that topic. And one voice, uh, I'm not going to say was overshadowing the others, but somebody had a lot to say. So I said, look, honey, if you got so much to say here on Instagram in the comment section, I can only imagine what you got to say on a podcast. So please come join me on the podcast. So I am really excited to have Mecca Williams join us this week on the podcast. Mecca Williams is a licensed professional counselor who's also a style enthusiast, event curator, and a social connector. Mecca has been practicing in the mental health field for over 20 years, has a passion for working with individuals who struggle with interpersonal relationship issues, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, struggles with self-identity and codependency. Most importantly, y'all, Mecca is my friend. And so this conversation is going to be good. Let's get into it. Mecca. Oh, I'm so excited to have you join me here for this conversation because when I had posted and shared this on Instagram, what I had mentioned to people was like, well, somebody had a lot to say. So I said, somebody better come on and just talk on the podcast about everything they got to say. Um, (laughs) Had a lot to say. I I imagine so. So before we even get into the things that you would like to say, I did your intro, but I think it's also helpful if folks just kind of hear from from your mouth as well. I told them you was my friend, but outside of being my friend, you so many other wonderful things. So Michael Williams, the therapist, who's that person? Oh my God. You know, I hate doing, I don't I like know. doing this part. That's all right. if, you did, if you did my intro, I'm good with that. I, what do you want me to say? Because it's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to say nothing you, you do not want I, to I say. I don't even know. Like, all right. So <laughs> I'll start with the basics. I am a licensed mental health practitioner. I've been in this game for a very long time. Actually this year is 20 years. Mm. So I've seen a lot, did a lot had a lot of different experiences with different types of people. Um, I've had a lot of experiences, work experiences in this field. So yeah, that's yeah. that as far as the basics of my career. Yes. And, and here's why I'm really excited for the conversation, but also grateful for our, our friendship because me and Mecca share a decade difference in age, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> in terms of like our life experiences, but also time in this field and things that we have encountered. Um, and along with sharing like this decade age gap, we're also only children. And I think that offer also offers like this unique perspective, just seeing shit. Um, so let's just kind of jump into the first 
area of my curiosity when I made the post yeah. about therapists performing vulnerability. You was in your bag. I was in my made you jump bag. in your bag about that, Mecca. Share with us. Because when you brought it up, I was like, oh, I think about this all the time. I think about it when I see it in my, my relationships because I have friends who are therapists. And I'm always like, yo, why are they... Why are we why are we like this? And when I say <laughs> like this, it's kind of like it'll be a group of us, right? And let's say two or three people are therapists, and maybe one or two people are not. And something somebody will bring something up. The response from from us is uh, it could be borderline cold. Mm. Not gonna like we're trying to be like we're not saying anything that's mean mm-hmm. or cold, but more so just kind of like hmm. Wow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I process that type of thing when I that's like like damn we like we don't even blink to half of this stuff mm. like like you know oh well you know even down to like my engagement if I have a problem right and I'm being vulnerable like hey y'all I was depressed and it's like crickets it's like what the hell is going on like with us what's happening here and the other side when it's one of them meaning the therapist friends their difficulty in even how they explain explain and express their emotions. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's intellectualized or, or matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. Or it'll take, we'll find out like weeks later, like, damn, you was going through all that. And you was like, just telling us weeks later. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I can agree. I've been thinking about this a lot, like how, just how we show up and why and why. And I, that why is often, here I go, getting ready to intellectualize some shit, right? But, mm-hmm. but like that why is like the, it's the hardest question that anyone can ever try to answer. Um, and I know that I am guilty of intellectualizing, but I also don't know how not to do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's one of, one of the, um, one of the, one of my motivating factors to want to get out of this field is so that I can start to feel things differently again, hopefully. Like I have this dream that if I can separate myself far enough from like the proximity to pain and suffering and be shocked about shit. Like I don't know the last time I've been shocked about like people doing dumb shit or people getting hurt or like harm happening. Like the way you kind of gave in that example, like my friends can be talking that are not in the field and aren't really just like, like, and like shit's real bad. And you telling me that I don't give a shit about this. Yeah. Right. And so be like for me to be able to intellectualize is to also like place my feelings and make them make sense so I don't lose my mind. It's <laughs> a protective. It sounds like it is a protective it's, factor. It's a defense mechanism for you yeah, to intellectualize. It, yeah, yeah, they have to make sense or else I don't know how to feel them. So I know and, I've been working on that. For me, I I like to feel and I and I get I worry about myself because it's a fine line. I need me because I am such a, I'm more a lean towards emotion. Yeah. Like my natural temperament myself. I have to, I, I use the intellectualization and all the things just to compartmentalize it and make it make sense. I have to do that for balance purposes, for, to, to utilize the logic because, but I, I, I give myself, myself space to just be human and just feel I have to. Yeah, because otherwise I would tap out. Like I, I can yeah. go the other way and just be like, kind of, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, me either. It disconnects um, me. Yeah, that don't seem like a a joyful way to live. And I don't even I know for a fact that we aren't the only ones in this field that have these thoughts, um, and want to have these conversations in different ways. But like, if we can spend some time to even talk a little bit about separating your personal self from your professional self, because I know you see it because you're also a clinical supervisor. Yep. So you got like the new ones coming into the game and you, I have even noticed like, you know, in the beginning of my career and then other students that I come across or early career practitioners, they take their professional identity and intertwine it with their personal identity. Like they're the same things. Yep. And yep. I don't even know, you know, I just, I'll stop right there. But like, what are some of your thoughts around that? So I see... The conversations I have with my supervisees, they they talk to me about their personal struggles and issues, which I am honored and I think is great because now I can help 
you work on and identify those things and how they may show up in the clinical work. So I don't know how they show up in their personal life though. Like I'm not within their relationships and their friendships. I'm just aware of some of their personal struggles. I know back to my professional friends, I know that they struggle with being open and honest about some just past things. You know, we've done dumb stuff and made poor decisions and types and things like that, but they struggle with being honest and open about that because they are worried about how they are perceived. Yeah. Like you mean like as a therapist or as a professional? Yeah. As a a therapist. I lean to, and I understand that because People I've been out in the community and people like I'll say something or do something and people like, oh, I didn't expect you to say that or do that because you are a therapist. I said that on. And you be out. And I be out. You be out. (laughs) It's almost like that's another reason why I've thought about this topic a lot, because it's all I feel like it's been certain juncture of my life. Maybe a few years ago, I felt like I lived a double life. A lot of people didn't for a long time until, until I started merging mental health and coming out and doing these talks and things like that. For a long time, a lot of people did not know what I did for a living. Mm. It wasn't on purpose. It's just what it was. It's just, I had no reason to walk around and be like, hey, I'm in a mental health field. I just worked and then I partied hard on the weekend <laughs> or sometimes <laughs> after work. <laughs> it's just, and, you know, and I, then I, in the community, I was, I was, you know, into fashion and things like that. And then just in the past, few years is when I started merging the two and people started to really understand and I started really talking about hey this is what I do but before people were like what do you do again yeah 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 so <laughs> I had, I've, I've been able somewhat to to separate but then when people know that's when you'll get the I thought you would understand like this yeah. is for friends who are not in the field and I'm like and I have to check people like I'm a person first and foremost right. So right. you're not my client. I don't owe you like some therapeutic response all the time. Right. Like I'm not your therapist, man. Like I'm not your exactly. therapist. Exactly. You're not paying <laughs> me. It's not a session. <laughs> Nothing. I get to have a Mecca yeah. Williams response. And then it's also like um, being a therapist, being a counselor, being a social worker. That's what I do. It's not who I am. Right. And so how folks, um, it's just a lot of conditioning. And I can only speak from my experience of going through a social work program of like you being conditioned to take on this identity of being somebody who is able to save and fix and do and not really have value to what you are offering because you're supposed to be doing all the goodness of your heart. Um, and then what, in, what I have noticed, what ends up happening is it's like, you already have good people that find empathetic, compassionate, caring people. That's what, I mean, there's also really shitty people that find their way in this field, but the majority yeah. are good hearted, compassionate, empathetic people. So they get into the field and then they start to get all these messages and narrative about like, oh yeah, like you're supposed to do those things anyway, because the career calls you to do that. But it's like, nah, you were already that way anyway. Yep. Like your career is just a pathway to make some money and do some good work without hopefully fully compromise, compromising your morals and values. And so I know I had to go through my own process of separating, like pulling apart my personal and my professional self because they were trying to merge together, but they didn't fit nicely. Because when I looked around, like there weren't people who look like me, talk like me, move my, like me in the work. So I was like, well, do I belong professionally as a social worker and therapist? Like, who am I in all of this, Right. Um, and so that in itself is an ongoing battle and a challenge. And I think it has a lot to do with making it hard to show up and like really be vulnerable um, as a therapist and as a social worker, because you always don't know if you, I know that it, I wasn't supposed to make it this far, looking this way, talking this way. So it's already like a part of me is not supposed to be here. So why should I show up full? Ooh. Like that's something in the back of my head. I often kind of pull up from time to time. Wow. You that's know? why I love you. <laughs> oh, thank you. See, I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know how to do it. But yeah, that's just like a real thing that I kind of float around with for a while. And it's not imposter syndrome for me. It's sure. just 
uh, you know, white supremacy and oppression bubbling up, trying to make me feel like I don't belong. So that's it's so, but that also drives just like dope black social worker. I think that knowing that drove you oh, to yeah. speak out about the things that you've been speaking about for years and being on your mission to, because you, you're kind of, you merged the two. You're educating mm-hmm. other social workers and you are etching out being more of yourself, talking about ratchet things to be all the things that you love to do mm-hmm. that may not necessarily fit in the <laughs> traditional sense of what social work is. It has been traditionally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I decided that I wanted to be a full human. Right. Like, but I made that deliberate and conscious choice. And it sounds like you also decided you wanted to be a full human as well. Like, when did that happen for you? Oh, as you were talking, I was reflecting too on, I was like, I don't, I don't, my path was different. First of all, I didn't know this was not, I think our paths are similar actually, because you talk about, you didn't know you was going to be in this, that's Mm -mm. similar in those respects. So when I, but the way I came into the work, it was, I started working first and then I went to school, right? Yeah. And my env- environment, I started working where I'm from. My first job in the field was at District 19 in Petersburg, where I'm from. So I'm in my community. What is District 19 for people who may not know? District 19 is a community services board. It's like, it, it provides mental health resources such as some therapy, uh, substance use uh, treatment, what else, case, mental health case management and medication, mm-hmm. medication management, psychiatric medication management, PACT Act, all those things. And it's for people that do not have insurance or Medicaid. Yeah. So just a quick side note, and then Mecca will jump right back to you. For anybody that is really trying to figure out where your foot might be in this field, I highly encourage like field placements or even your first job at a community service board or at like a behavioral health authority that for a locality. Because when I tell you, you'll get in there and you'll get access to all the things. You'll learn about systems, <laughs> what works, what doesn't work. You'll learn about different client populations. So if you have any interest and you don't really know which way you want to go, community mental health is a great way to get started to figure out what you like and do not like. And you get access to free trainings, more super training. Training, like supervision. Private providers will not mm-hmm. provide you with the amount of trainings that the CSB Absolutely. has. Absolutely. So I, I agree. I tell young clinicians this all the time. Go work for a CSB. So I started off in the CSB, but I was in my environment around familiar people. So I, I I just, and I had not been to school, like grad school yet. So I was not in a proximity to whiteness or I didn't consider mm. it at all. It was not a Petersburg black. It's like black. It's super black. So it benefited me to sound like, be like, look like the people for me to to have to do the work. It just was a so I didn't have to do any, I didn't, I didn't, it, I I didn't consider anything. I, I barely considered professionalism. I was professional <laughs> as in a room. But you know, professionalism is another white yeah. Eurocentric construct. Yeah. So that's what happened. I mean. I didn't have that. And then I didn't consider anything white until I got into grad school. Like, oh, shit. Mm. I looked around and everybody's young and white and inexperienced. So, like, when it sounds like you already had a level of self-awareness before you even got into the work, to the field. So, well, somewhat. I'm not going to say you had it all figured out. I'm like, about to say self-awareness as far as like, like your like your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even though I'm, I was still evolving yeah. and learning yeah. myself. Yeah, I did. I had yeah. a, a, I understood like, and I, and I was working with kids too. Mm-hmm. So I understood that I, I it was not going to benefit me to be anything. I was, it was fine for me to be me. Mm. It's funny, like, even like, I don't know if this is fits in this, into this conversation, but I'll tell the story anyway. I was, my locks, I had just started my locks. Maybe I'm like, I was, I was locked. I maybe was. I don't know, a few, two years in or something like that. And I remember before the interview, my mom recommended that I go, I wear a wig. And I was like, "Ah." (laughs) imagine that. (laughs) My attitude then was like, if they don't, you know, they don't like my hair, this is not the job for me. Yeah. So even that, I was unwilling. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. 
Yeah, that even like that makes me think about how many people I came across throughout my graduate studies and even into the field who didn't know who they were. I'm not look, I still trying to figure out who I am, but at my core, I've been the same way for a very, very, very long time. And I noticed a lot of people who were trying to find themselves in the work. And I'm really curious now that I'm kind of thinking about it out loud is I wonder if the way they were trying to find themselves in the work was to assign themselves like this label or identity of their profession. Right. Because they didn't know who they were, who they are. So it's easy to say, like, I'm a therapist and then think you have to show up in the world that way and only that way. Yeah, that. Yeah, because that that that's oh, that's heavy. Yeah, like that. Like because it's these titles or whatever they hold some weight. Yeah, they do. They hold weight. Not 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 for me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I remember a time where I thought it was a big deal to be whatever I was. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they told us it was a big deal, right? Yeah, I've been conditioned I, to believe it was a big deal. I feel like by the time I got licensed, I was just over, like, I was like, okay. Same, because y'all can have this license back. I don't even want the shit no more. Like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate, I like, I yeah. love, love the feel, I love the work. But for a lot of people, you're right. It's like this, uh, it is there. And that's not just this feel for just some people who do not know themselves and where oh, they yeah. in the world. They have behind these, these titles, these this paperwork. They yeah. have behind. Yeah, to the point where they have no boundaries either. Mm. That's when it gets muddled too. When they like they're trying to overachieve and do the most for the job. Yeah. So that even makes me think further about something that we don't even talk about out loud, and I think that's the isolation and loneliness that therapists deal with. Um. And it could be to your example early on our conversation about like a friend who was like weeks later, like, damn, we didn't know he was going through all of that. Right. Like yeah. it's really easy, I think, for for people with this level of training and like understanding about human behavior and thoughts and feelings and all this other type of shit um, to really pretend like everything is OK. Yeah. Yeah. When it's, it's not. When it's not. Because we're the last people for people to check on. Ooh. <laughs> people think that you straight yeah I, it, we're the people yeah think about it, we're the people that somebody gonna come to and be like yo I've been going through yeah. we're the first person that's gonna ask how you doing yeah 100%. people ask how people ask how I'm doing but it's real it's, it, you don't care it's real surface for mm-hmm. real so, mm-hmm. like that's why I'm conditioned to just hit you with the fine mm-hmm. like, yeah because even times I would like I, I practiced once I was intentional about it. I'm gonna stop saying fine. I'm gonna real be honest about how I'm doing. So even times where I've been like, yo, I've been depressed, I'm anxious or whatever. Okay, people be like, oh, that sucked, and it breathes right back. On. Like talking about them. Mm. And so I remember I had responded. So there's back. no space. I think I mentioned. Yeah, that. there's, there's no, no space. There's no space for us to be vulnerable. There's not an opportunity. It's not created. Yeah, because even in those moments, right, like if somebody were to ask, well, how are you doing? In the back of my mind, I know like if I really unleash, they don't know what the sh- what they're going to do. They don't even know how to hold the space and what- they can't even help put me back together after I no. really tell them how I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I think it's also people, regular people don't know how to ask questions. Like, I think that's one of the things this $80,000 in student debt has offered me, like, I learn how to ask some really good goddamn questions um and if i'm and i think you even share this like if somebody asks me the right questions oh i'm gonna open up like i'm ready to go i'll talk to you yeah i'll talk to you you ask me the right questions but a lot of folk mm-mm. and i'm not because I'm, I'm not one of the violent i'm not volunteering mm-hmm. anything like no yeah. like so that's a boundary, so honestly. Comfortable. Yes, yeah. it's less so comfortable and it's con- it's a flow in the conversation. And that's when I'm like, yeah, I've been through that too. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. most times I'm not volunteering anything. Okay. Unless you directly ask, hey, Mecca, blah, 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 blah. And then that's when I would give you the best honest answer that I have to give in the moment. In the moment. In the moment. And in the, in the environment. Because every answer is not for every environment in every moment and every person. 
Um, but see, that's that therapist shit. Like that's trying to be like logical in responding to be able to express your feelings instead of just expressing your feelings. There's sometimes I wish that I can do what I see other people do. There's sometimes I wish that I can like get angry and like slam a thing, throw a thing, get belligerent in public, cry. I told you, I, I've given you, I've told you times and well, reason why I have been. Yeah. I, I told you I will do me. I'm gonna do me. Yeah, and I love that's why I love that about you. <laughs> I don't know how to do that shit though. I but <laughs> But it's not like it's not a frequent thing. No, but yeah. with, if it calls for it, I let it go. I determine and then I'm gonna, yeah. uh, I will, you know, especially now at this age, mm-hmm. it's something about this time period because I'm in a space where I don't bother anybody. I'm like peace, like so for real, peace and love. My thoughts are really positive about people, and most of the time. And so if you fuck with me at this time, <laughs> or you or 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 you want some bullshit, you getting checked. And you're gonna get, you'll get these emotions. And I'm because I need you to know that I'm not playing. Mm. And I do not owe you my therapist self again. Mm. You're, mm. We're, you're, we're not, that's not our relationship. Yeah. So if yeah. you if, if you want some, if you want some bullshit, okay, I'm pulling up. That's <laughs> what it is for me. See, and I think we I think I'm we might pull up in different ways. Yeah, and that's yeah, we pull up in different ways. Because I'm I'm the sneak pull up. Like I'm the type of like I'm the type of scary. I'm the quiet scary. So that's why I say to you and other people, I wish I could be outward with it. Okay. Because I'm inward with it. And when I don't say anything, like I'm the type of person that if I were to ever like turn on a violent switch and if he was like rah rah in my face, I'm not wrong rah rah back. Okay. I'm picking something up. And I'm laying you down. I'm like I'm, you know, like I'm not gonna rah rah back with you. Like that's what the other night. That's yeah. Like that's that's who I am. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's why I think that's like an added layer to uh, having these challenges with um, kind of displaying vulnerability because I'm already internal as it is. And you, oh, so it sounds like for you, it's like. Is there a concern that if I turn up, this is this I might not turn off? I don't know if I can get that yeah. back in the container. Right. I'm not Got quite it. sure, right? Yeah. And then it's yeah. also a control thing because I've been like I've I've never been I wasn't a loud kid. I was I've never been a loud person. Um, so I don't know if I can get it back in the container. So I just kind of choose to like, all right, do I'm things and yeah, because I mean it could be bad. I think it <laughs> I think it could be bad. <laughs> so I just leave it alone. So that's the other uh, thing about vulnerability and, and therapists. The other the other reason why therapists lack do not feel that safe to be vulnerable is because okay, like let's say I'm having a bad day, I'm having these emotions, and I let it go. People are gonna are they gonna look at me like, oh, she a therapist? Mm-hmm. Why is she acting like this? Right. That they definitely gonna look at us like that. But then so, I think that's our like who I don't cares? Go to her. Yeah. Right. Like I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to go to her. But yeah. it's like we're but therapists are people. We are absolutely there are human. therapists who are in therapy right now, therapists who are on psychic like medicine, and therapists medi- who have been in the hospital, like therapists. Yes. Therapists. Yes. And, and good therapists that's, that's good, good, damn good therapists. The difference between us and y'all is that <laughs> the, I call them the lay people. I, I don't know if that's a good term, but I call it lay, meaning that not in our field and not doing this particular work. Is that I have the tools and knowledge. I understand my why. I know what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. So it's really I'm choosing like whatever is happening. I'm I'm making You're a conscious to do it. That's the only. That's the fundamental difference. I know. My, I know the root causes. I know what I need to do to cope. I know all. I know. I know. And so that's what I. I'm jealous is not the right word. Envious is not the right word either. I don't know what the word is. Sad. I think that's why I get sad because i wish sometimes i did not know i really do ignorance, ignorance is bliss i really wish sometimes yeah. i we're did held not accountable know for what we know yeah we're held mm. for what we, I mean, we're held accountable for what we do know yes yeah, yeah. spiritually and yeah. in this realm we are so yeah, yeah. That ignorance is absolute it could be bliss for some because they could just do to do do to do to do and sometimes i really want to like do to do to do but like it, I, I i know <laughs> i'm glad i know though I'm glad. I yeah, know. I mean, I'm glad I know, I know as well. But I think um, for me, 
especially with like some of my other spiritual practices, like this level of knowing that comes with the conscious decision to choose empathy and compassion because you see other people for who they are because they're connected to you makes it oh. even harder for me sometimes. Um, Cause I, sometimes I really just don't want to know or don't want to have compassion, but I don't know how to do that anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. And I'm grateful that I've gotten to this place. I don't know how to do it anymore. And it would be nice from time to time <laughs> to be able to turn it off. <laughs> to not have the compassion and grace. It would be nice. Oh, that's the, yeah. okay. So that is the part I, I understand what people do. Cause for instance, like socially, because I'm out, I deal with a lot of people don't understand this stuff like these different relationship dynamics and so social stuff it's like people don't outright do stuff I mean, it's like like little bitty like hidden stuff that happens when it mm -hmm. comes to me. and I always take I could be just as petty if I wanted to this is the part this is like I I'd be like you know what this is they, that's some bullshit and I don't I'm gonna let they let them have it this is this is some mess but sometimes I do want to be just as ridiculously petty as you. Yeah. <laughs> but it takes too much for some stuff like that. It takes so much energy. Cause like, I don't have nothing to do with that. You're petty. If you got an issue with me, just come talk. But if you want to be on that type of time, it's not going to, it's not beneficial to you. But if you mm -hmm. want to be there, be there. But I get it. Sometimes I, I, I don't want to have compassion. I don't care. I yeah. want to not care about like, well, they just, whatever, that they're hurt or they whatever. I get, that's the part where I'm like, I'll be overtaking the high road when it comes to like stupid yeah, stuff. Like I'll be wanting to go low. Yeah. Like you want to be petty, but I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I really like, be wanting to Like when I think I about the bigger picture, low. like sometimes it's like not even worth, like you want some bullshit. I'm like, sometimes it's better to let somebody be in a bullshit. Oh yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to act, I'm going to act like I don't even see this shit. And then what yeah. you going to so that even gets us to this next part around like the exhaustion that comes from creating and holding space in our personal lives and in our professional lives. So like your personal relationships and your professional relationships as a therapist, we really end up holding space. Can you speak to the exhaustion that comes with that? So I used to get exhausted by, so the, this is part of probably what I do when I feel like holding space. I got to have the energy to hold space. So sometimes I just don't want to be bothered and I might disappear. Some people take that as I don't want to be their friend. I'm talking about in your personal in my personal life, yeah. So mm -hmm. I pick and choose if I had a capacity to hold space. Never some like crisis or something. I'm they like somebody died. You really like on, on stuff that you can't control. On demand, you need me. I got you. Like if you, I'm there. I will put anything to the side, but just like on day to day stuff, I, sometimes I don't have it because I'm trying to figure out my own stuff. And I, and a lot of times I don't have, I don't feel the need to like, Hey, I'm getting low right now because I'm da 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 da. And somebody might not hear from me. So that can cause if a person's not mature enough or don't understand me, it causes issues with people. What kind of issues? Like, like if you had to spell them out, right? But I, the type of issues is people, I think people, I it's not even think I know people get upset with me because they have, they don't hear from me. They take it as I'm not being their friend or I'm spending more time over here versus with them. And it's nothing like that it has nothing to do with them. And I've experienced that over and over again. In what ways do you think people in like um, personal relationships or in our personal lives really misunderstand how much of ourselves we have to use in our work? Like my mom, for instance, mm. um, for years, she just didn't get like she wants to talk on the phone and all this stuff on every other day. Ma'am, I don't want to. I can't even I can't even I don't even want to talk to my damn self, let alone <laughs> sit on the phone with you. I don't want to sit on the phone with anyone. And that was especially when I was in grad school. That was a struggle with my friends, too. I'm like. I just got a class. I, then I got to go do a paper all night. Then I got to go to work because I was a whole adult. So I'm like, I don't have anything for no one. <laughs> like When you see me, I just want to just party and release all this stress. So I had some struggles with um, some of my close friends because they were not in grad school. They was out of that grad school at this time. So they were just going to work and they're like, what happened to you? Like, And we're in our early 30s. And I'm like, dog, I'm like, 
dead to the bed. Literally. <laughs> and then, like, again, like I said, my mom, like, she just was not getting it. Like, I've been talking all day long. People do not understand how much we talk. Whether Tell them. Tell them. It gotta be like it's not even that I'm seeing clients. If I'm doing a supervision and I'm in a meeting, because you're staying, you're in a meeting. You got you got to be in somebody's meeting, or I'm coordinating something, or it's I'm always talking and like talking and, and talking taking or, in. Typing. Yeah, talking talk, or talking, talking, typing, and taking. I know it's like I I can't in yeah. my mind, and then also. Let's, let's you work 40 hours a week typically that's the average work day right mm-hmm. that's a lot of times and energy spent directed towards someone else yeah some uh, not just one else other people a lot of others so yeah. i i have to this goes back to being an only child i am not one of those people that like oh like i like i have the people i'm fascinated by the people who do this work come home be a mama a wife and the baby i'd be like yo <laughs> yo i don't know what i would i don't know who i would be or what i would be if i had to come home and then i'd more, probably be on snap you would see me on the lifetime yeah, channel honey then you got dogs and every every other thing needs me so because i grew up on the show i have it's like i'm used to solitude to a certain degree i have to i need me yeah mm. i need i have to make space for to hear myself that's mm-hmm. good i have to be introspective mm-hmm. i have to talk to myself and a lot of times i don't reach and especially this phase of life i don't do a lot of reaching out to other people i'm more even more introspective than ever before and that's another yeah. part of the whole the, social piece and me just being to myself because it's required yeah i'm right there i want to i want to talk to me i want to hear what i got to say (laughs) 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 i know because at the end of the day i got to be the expert and authority on my life you do and you spend the most time with you but then also to your point earlier like we also have like an extra level of understanding of when we have to go beyond ourselves for whatever we might need. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I just want to clarify that. Like, yeah, like I'm very introspective as well, but I also know when it's time to go beyond me and I do that. But then I, that this is where the guilt, I feel guilty because I do, I'm, I spend so much time by myself or what just floating around and then when I do need, like, not need, but, like, really want to, like, connect and talk to some friends, I feel guilty. Like, are they going to think I'm just popping back up? <laughs> just randomly, like, hey, I miss y'all. Like, I had to have a, a conversation. It wasn't even a difficult conversation, but I was kind of scared to have it with some friends the other day. I was just like, hey, by the way, like, we were wrapping up. We had, like, this great time. And I was like, by the way. I just want to let y'all know, I would appreciate it if y'all like would include me. I know I kind of be in and out, but if include me on, I feel left out. Do you know how hard it was for me to say that? I can only imagine. It was killing yeah. me. But I had, but I was like, if this is something that I would support and encourage a client yeah. to do or, or a supervisee, I have to be the model in my own life doing this thing. Because I've been thinking about this and I've yeah. been wanting to say it 50 million ways. So <laughs> like, it's not cool. Like if I don't ask for what I want. What are you gonna mm-hmm. say? Yes or no, or that's or you have you know you got you got to feel some type of way. Just say, and they were like done, cool. Like it was they were receptive, but it 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 was scary saying it. And it goes beyond like practicing or performing vulnerability. You were vulnerable. Yeah, that take a lot of vulnerability to say. Like yeah, uh, say it plain too, to not yeah. intellectualize no shit. Just no, say it I plain. Didn't, Make up anything. I would just, yes. oh, just try to be like fumbling, yeah. blame, or like, I was just like, hey, I, this is what I would like. Mm-hmm. I feel this way. The end. Like, I don't, I'm not asking no questions. I'm just like, can we, can y'all do that? Yeah. Just let me know when. And I know that I need to do whatever I can do, but a lot of my stuff is, and I have multiple different relationships. So sometimes I'm split between. Mm-hmm. different groups of people sometimes and then again i got to, i gotta do me i gotta spend time myself and yeah. then i'm also last minute and in, like in indecisive so i'm like oh i want to do this and then i think i'm i can't i don't have the time to consider other people because i'm like i'm doing this at the 30 <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
<laughs> and it's a lot of people, a lot of my friends don't live my, don't have my lifestyle. No, because one thing Becca gonna do, Becca will go where she wanna go and leave when she ready to leave. Yeah. And won't tell you nothing. And what? look around and be like, what? Becca go. Mika is gone. Gone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but again, but then it's weird too because I can, I feel sometimes isolated. I look at people who always have consistent groups of friends. I'm like, oh. But I'm like, I did this shit to myself. <laughs> but I've been living like that all my life. I was yeah. never, I was never in a consistent identified group mm. when I was a kid or in high school. I just, and it came from, I think it was a safety thing because I experienced like bullying and then I would have these friend groups and they'll be mad at me about something. I would feel ostracized. And I think by default, I created situations where I was like, I'm, I'm never, you're not going to, I'm not going to be left and not have anybody again, relying upon this one particular one group. group. Yeah, and I even, I mean, you can kick me out. So I gotta, I gotta create multiple streams of uh, the people. <laughs> and I mean, it's a conversation for a different day, but um, because that sounds very familiar for my only child life. Like, I, I, mm -mm. I know how to be by myself. I love being by myself. I know how to be with people when I want to be with people, and like you, I'm learning how to better ask for what I need when it comes for like connection and relationship yeah. and I even wonder like as an only child I, who else where do you practice that skill in your house you know what I'm saying so of course at our big ass ages we're trying to figure out how to ask for connection and like what we need because who did you practice with on at home you don't ask yeah. no sibling you're not you know what I'm saying like of course we're learning how to do that like my well I'm talking about in your house like yeah, no, yeah, no, you know no, what I'm nobody. Because like, if my mama didn't want, like, I didn't really. She would just be doing her, and if she didn't want to be bothered, she just would not be bothered. Yeah, she wanted to be bothered. I'm forced to be bothered because <laughs> now you want to be bothered. <laughs> so yeah, it's just me. And then you know, it's the age gap. Like you're not gonna be be wanting to play Barbies or whatever I'm want to do on Nintendo yeah. or whatever I'm doing. So it's just what it was. It was just a, a you know, like that's mom, and then it's just me. Yeah, and I had to create. You create as your only child. I'm sure you did the same thing. You create your own world too. Yeah, absolutely. I still do. So, like, <laughs> even when I think back to my childhood, like I would go outside and play with my friends. But as soon as I didn't want to be bothered anymore, that was the benefit of being an only child. I can bye bye. <laughs> and I go back to my house as soon as I didn't want to be bought. Like I'm yeah. out, y'all, or whatever. I'm just want to go. I I want to play with my Barbies or go write or mm -hmm. read or something mm -hmm. or just not come outside. Like I just would go do me. And you're right that you it it triggers on. But the other thing is you do like as an only child, if you are like a social person, like we are, you do, you have like all, you create these multiple different types of friend groups. Mm -hmm. And I, and I will even wonder if for me, like, I think it helps to distribute, no, not even distribute. It helps to, um, for me to get what I need to rebuild from like the exhaustion that the work causes. Cause all my different friend groups offer different things. Right. It's and I can't bad. imagine if I only had one friend group to try to help fill me back. Well, yeah, fill me back up, essentially. I don't think it would be possible. I think it would be incredibly exhausting. But to know that I have like these different buckets that can help kind of piece parts of me back together. Part, right. So much to other people in this work. I'm really grateful for that. Like, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, so I want to round out the our conversation and really ask, what do you feel are some of the most like the biggest misconceptions about therapists? What do you think they are? We're not superheroes. <laughs> oh, that shit. People need to know we're that. Not all we're not all sane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people like because it's a power it's a power structure right it's a power differentiate people come to the therapist and think that like you know you're the end all be all of all the things and you you're the all-knowing and that's not true yeah. we we have a skill set to support and, and help facilitate you to become your own healer that's why i do not like when therapists claim that they're the healer Ooh, no either oh no, i can't stand not, that shit we're our own healers or the healer shit. within maybe your environment. But even then, you do not control other people, even in your house. Yeah. Not 
healers of other people. We help facilitate one. Because people already have everything that they need. Life they has do. just fucked them up that made them believe they don't have and it. They don't. So therapists help them peel back the layers, unlike get the muck away and help them realize you have everything you already need. We're supposed to be empowering people. So if we go in with that mentality that we're the healers. And you're keeping people sick. Essentially, you're keeping them exactly. You're keeping the codependent, sick dynamic, needing you or another therapist when they identify you as the healer and they are the need of your healing. Mm -mm. That's problematic. So that's the misconception. We, I don't care who claim they're a healer, they They are not. You're putting somebody on a God level, they are not your healer. Yeah. So yeah, that's a like if, if I can say that's the that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Mm. And I wish I wish certain therapists, uh, or people that do this work, would stop saying that. Me too, me too. I wish. Oh, me, me too. Um, I don't, I, I'm gonna throw in there. I think uh, a misconception um, that people think like we don't be doing ratchet like and borderline illegal shit. Like I think yeah, people <laughs> ratchet, yo. I know we are us. I mean us. Like <laughs> I, I think people for I don't know. Um, I think folks struggle to see therapy, and it might be to the example that you just gave because they might be putting therapists on like this godlike platform when they're not. Like therapists are incredibly human, cuss, lazy, like yeah, er- like we everything that you would do if you're not a therapist, we do that shit too. Dude, I tell some of my clients, depending on who it is and what the circumstance is, I just to let you know, like for real, for real, I've been you before. So yeah. when I when I when I'm ta- when, so the stuff that we're talking about about the steps towards your your healing and what what can be beneficial to you or not yeah. beneficial, I'm tell I'm telling you, forget the books. I'm telling you what I know from my actual lived life experience. Yeah. We're not, you're not, we're not too, I'm not too far from the other side of the chair. At all. I am not too far from you. At all. And any therapist that's trying to act like they are, like, they, it's one of the problems. And it's still areas, as much as, like, I did do the work and the healing and all that type of stuff, it's still areas of my life that still trick me up as a struggle. Absolutely. You know, everybody got their thing that's a struggle. Absolutely. People, that's it's a piece of well, cakewalk for me. Like in, in some areas of somebody else's life, it's a, diff, a difficult thing for me. So yeah, it's still I have still things that still trick me up to this day. So that's we're absolute humans, and they're gonna keep tripping us up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a part of that's a part of the the part of the human experience, and I think it's one of the decisions. And it sounds like you made it too. Like as a therapist, just decided to be a full human and nothing else. Yeah. Like not try to pretend like we're anything other than full humans. Yeah. And like how to encourage other therapists, social workers, counselors who are either like later on in the career, early on, still in school. Like you can bring forward your whole humanity in this work, and if you choose not to, you're not gonna make it. No, you're not. No, you're not going to make it. The other piece to this is, is, is being, because the young, our young clinicians, like I pointed out, they have a lot of, they, they raggedy in their personal <laughs> life because they still <laughs> growing, they got issues. They come to this, a lot of people come, are drawn to this field because of, they come from dysfunctional backgrounds. I mean, they're not, they don't intentionally choose it because of that, but it's subconscious. So some people have to be aware of their boundaries because they want to, they now want to save the younger version of that or whatever the case is. That happens a lot in this field. So people are secretly raggedy. So <laughs> I talk to them about I love that word raggedy so much. <laughs> so I talk to them about doing your own work because mm-hmm. it's the other thing. How do you effectively help someone else when you are not? Introspective, yeah. introspective and doing the things that you're trying to encourage your patients to do or your, your clients how are you like it make it make sense yeah, and you can't make and it I make like, sense i tell them straight up you're a liar yeah well no how i know i've been there before <laughs> i'll yeah. be sitting to somebody's face they talking to me about some relationship stuff, and i'm like oh my gosh how i'm gonna help them i'm literally you like currently <laughs> <laughs> like, because what happens is it distracts you from the work because you start having those thoughts like, 
are they speaking my life? You know, and it's a lot of unlearning that has to happen when we go from our graduate programs into the work, because even throughout graduate programs, you're taught about the power balance and like a therapeutic relationship. And depending on what type of program you go to or what type of professor you might have, they really might be teaching you to believe that like you are like the expert in the room and like position you as such instead of like this understanding that the client is the expert in their own lives yeah. and bring on skill sets to help them better navigate their their yeah. process. But we I have encountered a lot of, um, you know, early career people who think that they are like above and experts, which I think makes it difficult for them to recognize that they are raggedy and have things they need to work through. It does. Because again, <laughs> like, a lot of people use this field, again, back to the, the yeah. people use this field, these titles, as a way to hide. Yes, to they hide do. And not deal with, so like, nothing, they get caught up in overly work, doing the most, no boundaries, mm-hmm. not having a true life, because you use this to hide, it's a mechanism to hide from yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to be very careful in this because we're working with human beings yeah. this is a quick way for you not to show up for you too yeah because you running around trying to save everybody overly being a nerd about all the things in this field not having a life because you want to mm-hmm. be the top dog the top therapist but you are not doing any type of work in your own life you're not even aware not even aware because you have these altruistic idealistic views of like oh look what i'm doing because now it's become egocentric and it's become about you and that's what that's the trick of this field it will forever be the trick of this field and the hardest thing i think for us to navigate through because you can't really go around it but be able to navigate through it to better show up um and even recognize when we are pretending like we're being vulnerable and open when we're not, right? Um, and how we could be more honest with each other, which I think is some of the missing space that happens. Like you don't have, the, I don't really see other therapists outside of like my therapist friend groups, like really talking about how fucked up we are as a people. <laughs> can, you, can, you give some examples? can you give some examples of fake invulnerability? Get some examples of that. Some examples of like fake invulnerability. Yeah. It can like what that looks like for us. It, it's the, it's the the example that you kind of gave earlier. Like if somebody asks, "Well, how are you doing?" and you kind of just give them response, "Well, everything is okay," or "I'm present," or "Thank you for for asking," or if they like give you a follow up, "Well, no, like really, like can share with me more about like how are you really feeling?" Well. What I really think might be happening for me is like, okay. I'm, you know, and then you start to explain your yeah. feeling instead of like sitting in yeah. it. Try to give your, like for me, I try to give my feelings logic instead of just being like, no, like mm-hmm. I'm actually hurt right now. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. This and this happened. I'll try to be like, oh, well, this might be the reason why. And then this happened that triggered this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think. And then because we can really explain things well, even though I'm not doing it in this moment, like very concisely, that shit sounds good. Yeah. It yeah, sounds it, vulnerable. It sounds get, open. You, you, get, you get people up off you. Le- leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me give you these eight words that sound really good. Syntax is popping. Everything is flowing nice. So you leave me alone. And I think I I, tr- I do the intellectualization after the fact, like after I like, man, I want to punch that bitch in the face, <laughs> blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'd be like, it's like, uh, it's. Let me explain I, what I mean by punch that yeah, bitch but in what, the face. You know, yeah. And I think I even do that just to kind of clean up that like, oops. Because so, they might be perceiving I you a certain way. Yeah. That's why I have to be safe to really like. Yeah. How I, to, hear, to hear me talk how I really talk. So like. <laughs> oh, I'm wild. Like <laughs> my mouth is ruthless. Like if people like you've heard it, shit. Like I'm wild. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. yeah. Mm-mm. And you know I'm the same. I'm like super wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, like I really would love to see, and I hope this encourages other folks who are either interested in this field or like practicing currently to like really have these conversations with each other and stop. I think like a God complex is inside of the therapeutic profession that we really got to explore and shed because we're very human. We're incredibly flawed. And 
a lot of us, whether we want to admit it or not, like that pandemic has therapists unwell. We know that the general population is also unwell, but baby, a lot yeah, of therapists lot are of unwell people, right now too. Because therapists people, are people as well. Yeah, therapists got overwhelmed and it. Yeah. So therapists was living life like everybody else had not yeah. dealing with shit. So then they got inundated with a whole bunch of clients, which is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. A lot of people coming with like severe issues because people's anxiety is through. It's still happening now. It's yeah. through the roof, the paranoia through the roof. Mm-hmm. People's relationship issues just out trash. in the open, trash. Yeah. So therapists gets inundated with all of this because, like, they the, the other people they can't they can't fake anymore. They mm-hmm. coming un undone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the therapist has not dealt with their stuff, and so yeah, they're not well at all. And I think that's an added layer to the performance of vulnerability because we are seeing people come undone. And we're like, well, shit, we, I want to come undone too. But if I come undone, how do I help other people put their shit back together? So it's easier yeah, just to like, say the eight words to help explain my feelings away so you leave me alone so I don't come undone. Because we both can't be sitting up here undone because then now what? <laughs> we can't come undone to the fine. <laughs> That's, we, that's, that's why it's also important um, for therapists to recognize when they need help. Absolutely. And supervision. Like, yes. even though you license supervision, yep. you need to still be in community and in supervision with other folks. It's critical. They don't have time, though. I'm. Exp- that's what I, I hear. Therapists do, I mean, look, like, I'm not going to just say therapy. people who are licensed. And like in private practice, that's what I hear. When they t- when they get newly licensed, they take advantage of being the person that I can do I this assessment, blah 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 blah. So they don't make the time because I'm they experiencing don't. that now. Like there's an opportunity for some licensed people to get supervision in a particular area. Mm. And they have not. They won't create the time if it's not if it's not attached to another Money. license or more, like they I, they're not going to make time for it. Even though you may you can benefit from learning these skills to help enhance where you are because you don't need any more letters. That's another, that's another thing. That's like, rooted in so much, you know, the You don't need to get all these letters, letters when that one, these letters can do these things with the right training. <laughs> Why do you got five t- uh, damn letters on your thing? Why? It's enough. That's you don't enough, need all yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even going to bring up the thought that I have around that. Um, well, Mecca. This has been an absolute treat. Oh my God, we're done already. Yeah, believe it or not. Believe it or not, we've been chatting. You know I got an under one hour rule. Because this ain't no dangly ear podcast. You think? (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to be talking in circles. No, (laughs) ma'am. If you could share with the people how they could find you, where can they find you and learn more about you and your work? Or just look at your outfits. Well, wait a minute before I say that. I want to tell you that I'm so yeah. proud of you for oh. actually doing this. It's not that I didn't think you were going to do it. I knew he was going to do it. But I'm, prou- I'm proud of you because this is going to turn into all the things. I will claim it. Thank you. And if y'all didn't know, like Mecca was the motivation. Mecca, when she told me that I could do like 30 minutes of a podcast, I was like, what? I might could do that. Every time I saw you, I was like, <laughs> just like I used to make it like, see, yeah, like, I mean, I understand. Like, why don't you just do blah blah? You can. I say you. I say you say you want to retire by blah blah blah. Because people, what would happen? People be asking you. Everybody knows about your retirement plan. Everybody who follows you, they're like, "What well, you want to do?" I was like, "I mean, all you gotta do is that. Like, you talk on it anyway. I mean, what?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, then I said, "I listen to this one podcast. It's real good. It's only fifteen minutes." And you was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> but look at you going beyond fifteen minutes. I know. <laughs> Shout out to me. So tell the folks how to find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. Now and also now threads at Mecca <laughs> Mecca M E C C A presents. I'm also on Facebook under Mecca Williams, but I'm barely on Facebook. I don't even know why I told you about Facebook, but that's where you can find me, and you can see you you'll see that in my bio you'll see oh she has a career, but on my page you're like where bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, you'll see more fashions, me dancing, me hanging out with people, that type of thing. You'll see spread out through there, some mental health stuff. I mean, because, I mean, I do it. I do that. 
for real all day long. <laughs> I, you know, I use my page for a little bit of both, but more so. My captions, I think, well, some of them, when you'll see the fashion, you'll, you'll see some captions that it's kind of mental health-ish, motivational-ish, educational-ish. That, but, look, you're just a full person on and off the okay. internet. Who you hear on this podcast is the same person who you will meet, like, if you yeah. ever see her in the flesh. Real talk. Um, That's important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you, Mecca. Thank you for having thank me. You, thank you. Thank you. Bye. I told y'all that was going to be a good conversation and who even needs a good black word after all of that? Everything that could have been said was said. It was said. I really hope that uh, y'all was able to get something from that conversation with Mecca Williams. And I'm going to get out of here because this is already over an hour. I have broke broken my own rule. Ew. Anyways, y'all, as always, Please remember to take care of yourselves so that we can take care of each other because we are absolutely all that we have at the end of the day. Y'all be well, and I will catch you next time.